let's crack open a beer and share some thoughts. Welcome to Opinions, and we have travelled south of the river, mate. Which we've is travelled um, miles, miles, which is a, a dark place, <laughs> in, in, indeed. Actually, it's not. We're in a really bright and actually, and it's a really bright, area. bright yes, day in a yeah. bright environment. Yeah. So, where are we? We're at the um, Hot Stuff Tap Room in Deptford. And why, why are we here? We're, well, we're here because we are. Um, we're chatting to James, who is the owner of, of, of Hot Stuff, which, For my sins. which yes. started off as a. <laughs> Uh, a small brewery and a, I suppose, a, a personal, sort of passionate project that you were involved yeah. in, and has grown into this this massive beast thing <laughs> that, that is now a brewery and tap rooms and and, and everything. So, yeah. so welcome, James, to, to the podcast. Thank you very much. Um, avid listeners that have been with us for a number of years may remember James from the early days of the Beer Clock Show as, as well, um, because you did feature on two previous episodes. Yeah. Uh, it was episode. 45 and 54. There are links to both of those in the show notes if people want to go back and have a listen. Was that on purpose? 45 and 54. I don't think it was, but it's nice. It's nice that it works like that. I don't Um, think think anyone needs to listen to (laughs) that. No, but that was way back. I mean, that was sort of four or five years ago when we first chatted to you. You were literally, at the time, I remember the first time we met, we we met in the Spoons and you were literally just in the process of leaving. a fairly lucrative job in the city and taking this massive step to mm. setting up your own brewery. Yeah, we which was probably six, six months before we even started brewing them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I, I remember us talking, was talking about you, you were crowdfunding at the time and you were talking about how the crowdfunding had exceeded all of it, your expectations. You had to keep, keep yeah. opening up new, new rounds to it. Yeah, and yeah. It, it's great that here we are, sort of four years on, um, setting now one of your tap rooms, uh, which is one of three. Uh, three currently, yeah, and, and soon to be four, yeah, um, and a, a brewery that's about to expand as, as well. But we are we, we are going to come back to that, and we'll get yeah. into a lot more detail uh, around that um, throughout the show. Um, first of all, let's uh, let's as we always do um, take a look back over what we've been up to in in the last couple of weeks. So it was a sunny bank holiday weekend. For, for, for once. It was lovely, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, you went to a, to a little island. I went to, I went to the Isle of Wight, <laughs> which I've never been to before. Okay. Mm-hmm. How was that for you? It was, uh, it was, actually, it was absolutely delightful, I have to admit. The, um, it was easy to get to, down to Southampton, got the red funnel over there. I've got friends who now live over there. So some of cows or? Uh, Shanklin. Okay. And um, so what, 25 minute drive from cows. Through some delightful countryside. It kept to reminding me of places like Devon and Cornwall, yeah, going through the countryside, um, and especially around the coastline. And it was it was actually beautiful. Any, what I would say is that anywhere in the UK, when you get the kind of weather we've just experienced over the bank holiday, shines. I think anyway. Yeah. Um, so that it never to be helped. What also helped is that it was a beer festival. Is, is this the only reason that you went to the other way? No, no, no. Or did it just happily coincide? No, originally, originally we were going to go in August last year, but we were having the house refurbished and renovated and some work done. And then it was going to be around about our birthday, but February's always a bit of a crap time, to be honest, weather-wise. Then it snow. Yeah. And, then, year, yeah, and yeah. then it turned out to be this weekend. And, um, it's like um, one of these uh, steam railway appreciation societies, and they do a beer festival on this special weekend as well. So we got what was an old... Central Line tube train 
which they use as their overground train in Shanklin to meet up with the steam railway train. They got a first class carriage in the steam railway train to the beer festival and then drank copious amounts of cask beer on gravity. And, and, and how was that? I would have to say that for... Flat and more? No, <laughs> none of the above. And I'm going to make a point of saying this because it's one of the... Of all the... And I've been to a few cask on gravity beer festivals, it had some of the uh, best conditioned beers I've had at beer, that kind of beer festival. Oh, really? Yeah. There was no beer in poor condition. I've always been of the opinion that uh, a decent pint of cask beer served in the right way, at the right temperature, in the right place is the best beer you'll ever have. I absolutely love it, but it's so easy to get wrong. Oh yeah, and especially on, and we've said it many times, both privately and on the show, that on gravity you can get it completely wrong. Oh yeah, gravity is a different beast. Flat, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but none of those beers were like that. Um, had a couple of the local offerings, and then they had some beers from... I say the mainland, they call it the North Island on the Isle of Wight, I found out. <laughs> Brilliant. They, don't want to, they, they can't go as far to say the mainland, they go North Island. Um, and I have to admit, I had, um, but I did it, I saved my trusted beers and breweries to the end. So I had a beer from Thornbridge, Wild Swan, 3.5%. That yep. was tasting brilliant. But I had recommended it for my friends early. So I thought it was a great starter beer. So yeah, that's a really I light was, beer, isn't it? I was yeah. confident yeah. about that. And I also then had Oakham Inferno as well. Yeah. And that was tasting really nice. So they were the standouts, but all the beers I had were in good nick and nothing was below a 3.25 on untapped either. I, I love the idea that it's in, um, it's a festival that's kind of held as part of the, the old railway there yeah, as well. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. brilliant. Turning up in the steam railway, everyone's in a good mood, nice weather. It wasn't busy. Only downside, and it's gonna be something I've banged on about before, is that they had this lovely tent with all the beers, and a fucking loud band in the corner, <laughs> which was fine. But everyone beyond the bar was about 70s. They couldn't hear a word we were saying when we were all in the beers. And like, no, the music actually wasn't that bad. You know, it was some really good music. As long as you were about 50 yards away yeah. and you could hear it properly, you weren't trying to order a beer. Um, but that was the only thing I would change about it. Yeah. The rest of it was really good. It was really nice, lovely weather, nice atmosphere. Um, as for the rest of the Isle of Wight, it's, it's very trad. It's a very traditional place, mm. as in pubs and the beers they serve. But I stumbled upon one pub which had broadside in. Brilliant. Another one had landlord, <laughs> and the football's on in the same place that had landlord. So I was I was chirpy apart from the result. So yeah, I had, I had a fantastic time, and I would definitely be going back. Did, did you manage to get your hands on any beers from the? I think it's called the Island brewery because yeah, they, they, they do have a brewery on the island yeah they had a brewery it's from the island brewery I think another one was Yates's and I've forgotten the name of the other one it's like, I think there's three breweries yeah. considered local yeah they were again very traditional um, definitely specialised in that sort of 4% sessionable golden ale didn't blow your mind away but it was no normal either so yeah it's, I, I think it's always nice that if, if you're visiting somewhere, it's, it's always nice to try yeah, to Goddard's, Goddard's, Yates, Goddard and Ireland. Yeah. Yeah, because the public had landlord in, I spoke, I spoke to the guy running, running the place, he said, well, we always have pride and we always have landlords. So I said, I'll be back. <laughs> Sold. <laughs> he said, and then he roast dinners for six quid. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Win. Yeah. Um, and he said, we'll always have one for the local breweries. And it was God odds on that day. Brilliant. So yeah, win for me. Sounds great. What um, about you? 
I went to um, went to the Olympic Park on, on, on Sunday, or, or I think it's now called the Queen Elizabeth Park. Which race were you in? I wasn't in any races, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was I was headed over to Mason and Co, who had been advertising um, an ice cream canal party, which which sounded perfect for for me because that's I sold it to the kids. To, as an ice cream canal party. They heard two words, didn't they? They heard ice cream, yeah. They didn't know it was being held by a bar. So, so, so we headed over to Mason & Co. Um, and, it, and it was lovely over there. It wasn't that busy. Uh, There's enough people, enough sort of through traffic there. But we, we kind of sat on the bank and we had a few beers over there. Um, there was a ice cream cart. It, it, well, it's a stretch to have called it a party. Um, but there, there was an ice cream cart there and the, 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 the boys had a couple of ice creams I had a few beers while we were there um, I think the only for, for me um, there, there was a bit of a downside to it though because they had been quite publicly advertising on social media that they were going to be doing this because um, obviously Mason & Co predominantly serve five points beers yeah. as, as well as guests and, and they were advertising that they were going to be doing uh, a five points beer called Jupa, which was produced for originally for Hop City, um, so it's like a tropical IPA, and they were going to be serving that with um, mango sorbet in it, in it from oh, the okay, ice so cream like a float. Yeah, yeah, so like an ice cream float, which I was very excited about. And I asked for it three times from the bar staff, and they had no idea oh, really? what I was talking about. Um, so then I, I put out a kind of sarcastic tweet saying come all this way for the ice cream float only to be told that the machine's broken um, didn't really realise you needed a machine for, for an ice cream float <laughs> um, lo and behold 10 minutes after that tweet went out suddenly the beer was on and they were offering it as a float which literally you went you had to go and buy the beer yeah. and then you had to take it out to the ice cream vendor and they put the ice cream in it yeah but that's poor it is, it is poor and what what got me was it seemed to be that lack of connect between What's the bar on social and media. the bar staff and what their social media team are, are, are saying. So this it's always is a very very challenging. This is this is where I'm going to bring you in, James. I, 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 I thought you might. Know. You can see where I'm heading on this one. Oh, um, great. So so I guess my question is, being someone that now runs a number of bars. How important is it that the staff behind the bar are basically singing the same tune as what your social media account is saying? Uh, it's crucial, absolutely crucial. So um, I probably take more of an interest in social media than I should and probably watch it more than I should, but we've got two guys in the brewery who actually run the kind of brand and social media side of things now and events and all, all that stuff. But each of our GMs still runs the social media for each site. Mm -hmm. So it might not be the GM, but there's always a nominated person in the site to, to run social media. And that covers all channels. Um, and I think where we've changed a lot in the last year is internal comms. Um, if we say we're going to do something, just do it. Um, the worst thing you can have is, oh, I saw on social media you were doing this like... Yeah pizza and a pint for a tenner and I've come in and I've got charged 15 quid what's yeah. going on Cause it's just not worth it so yeah trying to speak to each other trying to make sure everyone knows what's going on is crucial at a bigger well I don't know how big it was I wasn't there but um, 
when it gets to a bigger event, it can often be challenging. Um, but well, let's, let's just say when I got there, there weren't many people there, and it was the bar staff and the ice cream vendor outside. Now, the ice cream yeah. vendor knew of the existence of this ice cream float. Yeah. The bar staff didn't. Oh, well, that's pretty poor form. Yeah, and I, yeah. And, and, and I was kind of like, I, I was a little bit upset because yeah. in my mind, I was like, well, my first drink of the day is going to be this ice cream yeah. sorbet thing because that's Sunday was a basically school day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's all yeah, about mango. I'm just taking in my entire week's worth of fruit. Yeah, it's yeah. almost like not having a beer. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've got to say, though, that being said, that the, the other beers that I tried while I was there, everything that I had was on point. It, yes. it was, I had, uh, first beer I had was the five points pills which which went down almost like it didn't hit the sides um they still had a couple of their fifth birthday beers on as well so i got to try the now this is an interesting one is it maybock or is it mybock i how's, always how's it pronounced? i always say mybock i always say mybock okay so so i had the had the mybock which was collaboration with thornbridge which was absolutely stunning it was off the charts stunning it was like a uh, a sweet malty lager that you just wanted to go back into uh, again and again and they also had a, a vibrant forest tap takeover as well mm-hmm. so that, those guys are from down in Hampshire mm-hmm. way yeah. doing some really way. great beers yeah it's I, a nice space over at Mason Cave and it's it? a lovely space yeah well, and we spent a couple of hours there just literally set out picnic blanket we were having a bit mm-hmm. of bit of grub on the on, on, on the outside there and just enjoying a few beers but like I say it was just a little bit darkened by that mix up between yeah. The bar staff and the. It's that disconnect the between media. the social media and, and the real world sometimes. I think yeah. the other slight challenge is I don't think Mason Co. is wholly owned by Five Points. I think it's a JV with the food guys there. Oh, okay. So oh, I, I think it, it, yeah, yeah, that's it. Sorry. So it, it might be that the. There's a bit of a disconnect there, but you know, we we send out a cheat sheet. We're just like these are things we've said we're going to do. Yeah. Just, let's just do it. Yeah. You know. I think it's a good idea. I think. Mean, because you, you, you remember that kind of thing though it's like, yeah. a, it's like a trip advisor a trip advisor yeah. is very good for finding out what's gone wrong yeah yeah <laughs> and so is social media yeah yeah. I remember because people will tweet that straight away yeah. but it might be the end of the day where they go oh yeah the rest of it is really good yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember having a conversation with one of my brewers and I said uh, you, can, you can be on time a hundred times everyone will remember the one time you're late yeah it's just yeah. the way we're, we're programmed which is a shame because you know I'm sure the rest of the day was, was great, yeah. but it does stick in your mind, doesn't it? It's, it's frustrating like that. Yeah. What, what about yourself, James, other than running around between oh. a number of, <laughs> of businesses trying to get them all was up it about, Was this, it a bank holiday to you? This weekend yeah. last got, just gone is not a good one to pick up on. Uh, okay. I, I, was on a, I was on a stag do. Um, uh, I was in Bristol, which was great fun. Um, my little sister is getting married in June, uh, so we were with her fiancé in Bristol. Uh, paintballing, doing all that sort of stuff. I, I think it's a bit unfair because he's in the army, so uh, <laughs> it's a slight advantage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a, a lot of his mates are in the army as well, so <laughs> me and my brother running around just getting shot. Yeah, you know, um, it was really good fun. I guess on a on a beery side of things, um, we recently, very fortunately, invested some money in Left Handed Giant, their crowdfunding campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was able to go and see those guys down there and see what they were up to. Uh, uh, so, so when you say we, is that personally or as as as, as hop stuff? You, you've invested. Yeah. In so so when we when we completed funding three, we kind of we said internally that if the right breweries came up, we would would like to to be a part of their mm. journey, just in a very modest way, I guess. You know, we're not we're not talking about hundreds of thousand pounds, but we we do invest a shares in the companies we like, which you know. 
it's not insignificant and um, and yeah we just really liked what they were doing and I think that they're very different to us because they're trying to create a destination where hyper crafty people go to mm-hmm. whereas we're, we're going the other way and we're trying to spread craft as wide as we can um, and I just think their, their journey was really really interesting so we uh, me and my little brother went down and visited those guys which was really good fun uh, went and saw Lost and Grounded as well so Alex over there um, if, you, if you guys know him he's a genius and a geek yeah. and a you know he's, he's great Camden and yeah, little yeah. creatures and he uh, he was very proud to show off this uh, computer system that like controlled everything <laughs> and he could give like you know all sorts um, but yeah he, very very welcoming and, and just very lucky actually I, I sent them a message saying I sent one of their guys a message saying oh I'm going to be in Bristol any chance I can pop in and now I put something on Twitter saying off to Bristol well hey stank do um, and Alex sent me a message in between them coming back to me said oh I've just seen you're in Bristol make sure you come say hi oh, even before yeah. they got my yeah. email so um, yeah re- really nice really nice um, good weekend had and then up to Rutland which is where my family are from mm-hmm. so a couple of grain store beers and uh, and a sleep <laughs> <laughs> that's like a full weekend for all of us yeah you? absolutely yeah so, so let's talk about um, just briefly um, the, the beer that we've got in our glass because we've not really mentioned it no um, I, well I've I'm halfway through it. So, so far, we're all, we're all ploughing through it. This is the um, Hop Stuff Peels. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so, so tell us a little bit about the beer, Jones. So when we, when we opened our first tap, we, we wanted a, a lager that, that we kind of were happy with. And there are some great lagers out there, some great pilsens out there, but we thought we'd, we'd have a go at making one ourselves. And because we were slightly inexperienced with it, we, we kind of stuck to the basics. Um, very very simple formula but but done well lagered for six weeks and all that good stuff so um, and this was the resulting beer and you know it's had a few variants on over the years but mm-hmm. it's basically stayed true to the same recipe and I, I always think if I'm starting a couple of beers which I think today will be <laughs> um, I, I always think it's, an, it's a nice one to start with because it's quite sweet quite crisp but bitter at the same time and it's it's quite clean drinking um, and I quite like well, that well that's all my toasty notes gone yeah, I've, I've got <laughs> nothing to I was going to say it's got ever so slight ready quality as well yeah, yeah. Just but, but it's just a, underpinning it but it's just, it's got a really nice kind of yeasty profile as well and and it's it's just a it's just a fairly clean pilsner um, but I, I quite like it as a as a starter um, I would have I would have probably gone for, for this and straight onto a four hour then a Rennie um Sold out of four hour, so we're going to, have to jump <laughs> jump to the Rennie yeah. after this. Um, so what percentage is this one? So out? this is five percent. Okay. So it's a, it's a nice, good ABV. Nice, yeah. yeah. We're talking about um, eventually. We're talking about kind of a, a lower ABV lager. Because okay? yeah. lagers are really interesting one for me because it's so often overlooked by craft. Mm. Um, everyone jumps to hazy IPAs, and yeah. but but actually. Having been and seen Lost to Grounded this last week, if you do a lager well, it's a lovely beer. Which it's really good they beer. They do. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, I'd like to, now we're kind of, now we're in the new site, I'd like to kind of get a 4% session lager mm. done at some point. 
Um, but yeah, this is our as our lager equivalent is a is a really nice option. I think I, I could session this. I, I could, I'd, I'd be seen. quite happy yeah. to drink a few, especially of these, the yeah. weather we're enjoying mm. at the yeah. moment. It's, it's perfect. Yeah, absolutely perfect. Could be a good starter. Yeah. Um, okay, so James, let's go back to the beginning. Um, let's give us. Uh, for, for people that don't want to go back and listen to, to, <laughs> to, to, to you two doing this again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's stuck in this eternal time loop of just, <laughs> just me and James talking about pop stuff. Um, just, just give us a, a brief history of from the start, because um, I, I, I'll, I'll start that off. You, I, I mentioned earlier you, you were working in the city um, and you, you were getting a bit fed up with that life and yeah. an interest in beer and you wanted to take it that way yeah. so um take it from take it from there i'm not Fair i'm not going to tell your story for you no yeah, well, yeah please do uh, i mean so when um when i first kind of came up with this crazy idea craft beer in london was was kind of starting to happen um kind of 2012 started thinking about it um and i guess i think colonel and sandworks and a couple of and redemption were open but there wasn't a lot in the grand scheme of things, mm. and um, I was I was working this job in the city, and it it was getting pretty stale. I've been there four years or so, and I was in the unfortunate position to to see a lot of um, colleagues of mine getting fired, um, particularly at the band above me. So I guess I was quite a junior guy at the time, so we were cheap, but the the idea of uh, career progression was looking pretty grim and I, and I remember having a chat with my, my now wife and, and saying well is this what I is this what I want to do really mm. um, I, I think I said fairly famously no one ever has on their tombstone was really good at Excel um, <laughs> and I, ju- I just thought well, this is crazy I don't, I don't want to do this so started thinking about the brewery and um, obviously nervous about it so we decided to look at crowdfunding as a really early idea because that was a way of us validating the idea uh, if, if other people bought into it it was probably not a bad one so uh, we crowdfunded in July 2013 um, and opened the brewery in November of that year so I often say we kind of we got going in early 2014 because we, we had a couple of brews and trying to find our feet and work everything out. But, um, yeah, so real, real back end of 2013, things started, and it's kind of snowballed from there, really. And, and the crowdfunding was quite successful, wasn't it? Because you, you, well, you, you, you opened it up, and then you hit the target, and so you, you opened up a couple yeah. of sales targets. We, we've, we've always been very, Whenever we've done crowdfunding, we've always overfunded. And I think that, that's, that's a really nice position to be in. If I look back on first crowdfunding and how nervous I was about it and how relatively um, obviously no one else's money is ever modest but, but the, the, the modest amount of money we raised um, I remember being so nervous about it you know just thinking well, it's, especially in comparison to what we've the numbers we've heard in the yeah. last three yeah, or four yeah. months being yeah. raised yeah. through crowdfunding um, well yeah. I remember the first time we spoke we, we actually spoke about Brewdog's EFP 3 yeah which feels like forever ago now considering mm. we're now on to five yeah. with, with, with EFP and, and that was kind of what you used as your benchmark in terms of where yeah. you set out your store yeah. what what they had done and what you thought you were able to I do always, 
I always liked the idea that, that breweries ought to be um, public as much as, um, as much as possible because after all, all of these people should be going and consuming your beer anyway. Um, so if they're shareholders, that's surely just more reason to, to drink it. So as soon as we had this idea that we could have a public or a crowdfunded brewery from the start, it seemed to make a lot of sense. And, and I've got to be a bit careful because I don't want to bash them too much. But, but I did have issues with how BrewDog did their funding and did their promotion in the early mm. days. Uh, I think they've mellowed in their old age now yeah. <laughs> a little if, bit if, if, if you do want to hear James's views that's episode 45 <laughs> he, he, he does well, I think we both do yeah. actually well, I, I just quite into their, their, their marketing tactics at it the was, time uh, just to be clear yes they do <laughs> at, at the time um, at the time I, I just felt the, the marketing was inappropriate um, unnecessary and it wasn't appealing to me as someone who wanted to drink craft beer um, I've I've never really been a big fan of that kind of if you're not cool enough to know what a double IPA is you don't deserve to drink one type of attitude um, so we decided to take a different approach to it and we decided that a, a brewery that was a bit more light and social and welcoming and, and approachable was a, was a better way to to go about it and that's what we set out to create mm. So obviously you worked in the city, you wanted to do the beer, but where did your beer sort of journey start? Um, I've I've probably said this in 45 or 54. Um, The the token answer to that is drinking too much. Um, But I I used to, when I was at university in Exeter, we used to have Doombar in its original form. Um, And I remember drinking that and just thinking, well, this is a really nice beer. I, I guess I probably came from the kind of cask world a little bit more as a, as a younger guy yeah, which is understandable I, was, I, was, I think uh, a lot of us have yeah. had that journey and then well you, you just you know you you try different cask beers and you get to learn what different things are and you start picking it up and then I did a bit of time working between um, university at this the grain store in, in Rutland and you know, just pulling pints in the bar and they've got a brewery on site so you learn a bit there and then as soon as I started to get Interested? I was home brewing, and, and it kind of snowballed. As it said. Okay, so were you so, still when you were working in the city? Were you still home brewing? Yeah, yeah, much to my wife's um, dismay. <laughs> yeah, of a of a Sunday, I get to get stuff boiling in the kitchen, and she used to hate it. Um, but it, but yeah, it was just an interesting process for me. My stepdad, a couple of well, a few Christmases ago, now, I bought him a home brew kit. And um, I remember we went down to the local stream and we got a pair of tights and we took water out of the stream and filtered it through a pair of tights because that obviously made it clean. Um, and we brewed with this spring water from the local stream because it was, it was Rutland Spring Ale, as we called it. Um, and that was, that was just an interesting... Pro- and he got into it and then I got into it and it just kind of... Yeah, went, went from there. It, it was it was never meant to be anything more than a hobby. No. <laughs> was it, no. Wasn't it one of the the homebrews that you launched the, the the first round of crowdfunding with? Though yeah. that every investor would get one of the a, a, a bottle. Which is, I think a, a beer that we're going to get to try today as well. It's the the, the Renegade idea, yeah, well, isn't it? One of the very first um, one of the very first versions of the Renegade was was kind of where we started. Uh, it's developed over the years, and it's it's probably gone probably gone away from the kind of 
New England style, I guess, and it, it's gone a little bit darker and a little bit more caramelly. And I personally love it as a beer, and I think it, it's in its final version now. It, it's, it's a really, really good drink. Um, but the yeah, the Renegade started life as the the first beer we were, we were going to launch. Yeah. So, so you'd say more. Well, I guess we're going to get to come on to it. You say possibly more of a traditional. Maybe English IPA or Anglo-American IPA. Ang- Anglo-American is not a bad idea. So it's got it's got more toffee and caramel than um, than your kind of traditional your, your current traditional American IPAs. If that makes sense. Um, but it it just it just drinks really really well. And it's again it's one of these beers you can session even though it's five point six. Yeah. Um, and I've. I've always, I've always loved it, and you know we've now introduced beers like the Double Dry Hop, and we, we've got some New England IPAs in the pipeline, that sort of stuff. So we've kind of got that bit covered. So having a point of difference with the Rennie, with the Rennie that isn't your bog standard. I say bog standard; they're, they're incredible IPAs, but it's not your kind of current IPA. So it's more it's like quite a nice. counterpoint. Yeah, to to what we have now. Yeah, uh, and I think it I think it drinks really well, and, and the way it's built and the amount we've brewed of it, it kind of works really well together. I think between that and the four hour session, we've kind of got it covered. The four hour sessions are lighter, um, I guess light IPA, yeah. four point two. So that kind of covers that base quite nicely. So with the Rennie, we wanted to do something a bit different, um, and so it developed this kind of caramelly, rich flavour. Um, and that seemed to sit really nicely in our range next to the four-hour session, which was the lighter yeah. version of the two. So, so, so going back to your range of beers, when, when, when you first launched, it was it was quite a small range, wasn't it? It was, it was two, three, maybe four beers. Yeah, in, in that with? in the first year, I say first year, from from like November to January, we brewed four beers just to test our kit out. We brewed a very early version of the Gunners Porter. Um, which I've still got a couple of bottles of, and I'm, I'm scared to open them, but I, I think they could be incredible now. That, and they were big 750ml bottles yeah. with pool well, and cage got, and everything. Yeah. A, I, think, um, I think behind the bar, and I'll ask the guys, I think they've got a bottle of the Woody Barrelson, which I'll open as well in a bit, which is our barrel-aged version of the Gunners Porter. But uh, we, did a, we did the Pale Ale and the Fusilier. The Pale Ale, obviously Pale Ale. Fusilier is the best bitter, mm-hmm. the Renegade IPA, and then the Porter, and that was our that was our four. That was your um, launch point, yeah. And I think today the, the Rennie is now only in keg or can. It suits that format a bit better. Uh, the Fusilier we still brew, um, and it's in cask. Uh, the Pale Ale has fallen away a little bit as the APA has come through. Uh, the APAs are 3.8. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Gunners Porters brewed between October and February. Um, so we still have kind of versions of them you in still, the arrangement. still got that yeah, yeah. history there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, well, we're... Um, you're finished. Oh, yeah, I finished mine. The, the, the pills. Well, you two were talking. Uh, yeah. So I just carried on um, drinking my pills. Well, it's lovely. F- final thoughts then, mate. Uh, I've really enjoyed that. That slight bready quality was just right. Yeah. As opposed to, you know, something can be a bit too much and stops it being a beer I can just carry on drinking. If that had been in a pint, that would have taken the same amount of time. <laughs> it's, it's incredibly drinkable. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's 
for me, like we said, this this weather, I, I tend to want to go to lean towards something more yeah. like this. That's that's crisp, it's refreshing, mm-hmm. and that you can drink. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think we all do that kind of thing, don't we? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's sunny, weather, bright atmosphere. Yeah. There's lots of plenty of natural light coming in where we are. Yeah, yeah. Appeals was, I think, the perfect starting point. To Absolutely. So we've got um, another beer been presented to us. What, Which what is always we, a, a nice thing to have. Always. <laughs> this is why we do this. Um, James, what have you given us now, mate? So on, on the back of the conversation about the Rennie, I thought we'd jump straight into it. So um, for, for audio listeners, obviously, you can really appreciate the colour of this. Yes. <laughs> it's kind of bright orange. Yeah, it's orange got marmalade colour. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, got a, it's got a really nice kind of caramelly, orangey, it's like difference to... To your kind of normal IPAs. Right. Cheers. 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 All. Cheers. Thank, Thank you. Very much. Cheers. It's a little bit of an earthy, earthy quality to it on the taste straight away. Mm. It's, it's the earthiness that brings the the bitterness at the end, mm. right? Rather than because because you get a lot of IPAs that are, the bitterness comes from the citrus. Yeah. yeah. But but that's that, that's kind of an earthy bitterness but at the end. There. I kind of with the Rennie, I think it's it's different because it doesn't slap you around the face with, with that hop hit but I I'm yet to find the right way of describing this but but it's kind of on the burp you get, you get a really good hoppy flavour with it so mm. just kind of breathe it through it's um, yeah it's really nice and this is 5.6 5.6 yeah it's not drinking initially it's 5.6 it's, it, it's not and it's, it's a nice step up from the pills as well mm. so it's, it's only a few oh, it's, yeah but it's also very different very different different enough to to, to make you want to make that jump yeah. and, 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 and to drink it and so, so this is available um, on keg and keg and can. can as well yeah yeah, yeah. Well, we very occasionally put it in cask um, very occasionally um, but yeah it's, what does that do to it does that does that change it I so I was talking to my um, the, the bar teams about this because I said it would be really interesting if you could have Rennie keg and Rennie cask on at the same time um, same, like a couple of our beers. If you can have a casting keg of the same beer on at the same time, and get people to tell you how different it is, yeah. um, it's it's so different. It's incredible how the same same beer brewed with the same recipe. Okay, the the fining process and the the, the racking process is slightly different, but the beer remains the same. Um, the beer can change so dramatically in the two different formats, um, but it suits keg and it suits keg in the sun yeah I love the colour of it in the sunshine I think it just it's a really nice oh, it's aesthetically yeah. it's very pleasing yeah and we've, we've spoke about this before though in terms of some of the IPAs in the UK that are absolutely shine on, on, on keg but then you, you get to try a cask version of them and they're a completely different beast mm, yeah. and, and the one that I come back to it again and again. Sorry, is um, is, is Axage by Buxton that, yeah. that I've, which is a stunning beer. Yep. On on, on cask in bottle, uh, on keg in bottle, but then you have it on cask, it, and it's still stunning. But it's a completely different yeah. beer because what what shines on on the cask version is is, is the malt. That, yep. That's what really yeah. comes through on it. Backbone. Yeah, yeah you, you get more of the biscuity, more of the caramel yeah. come through rather than the sharp poppy. It's very very similar to this. But I think where this where this version um, of this beer works really well is I think you, you still get that real maltiness. We put a lot of caramel in it, um, and it kind of it complements it really nicely. Mm. 
this in this in keg now you get a multi-flavor you get that hops just tickling away in the background it's really light yeah it's really light on the palate I think maybe it's just the colour but I'm feeling that like I'm getting the orange marmalade mm. yeah. flavour profile as well yeah, yeah. yeah. just again but it's all it's really well balanced mm. fantastic but it's our highest um, in terms of bitterness it's the highest IBU beer we produce but it doesn't taste overly bitter no I, th- um, I think the, the bitterness is very well balanced yeah. there? and that's where the caramel works the caramel yeah. gives sweetness and the, the IBUs give the bitterness yeah. so it kind of it works really nicely well, that was how the pills was. Both beers have been very balanced so far, haven't they? Yeah, and, and designed for, I guess, for drinkability sessions. Yeah, which, which, sessions. which is yeah. which is having, which is having one, two, three, yeah. and yeah. come back a couple of days later. Yeah. Perhaps. Yeah. Well, while we session this then, let's okay. um, let, let's get into this week's news. We've got the um, the World Beer Cup, which took place recently. Yes. Um, which um, you, you reliably inform me is an every two years. Well, the World Beer Cup is an every two years, so it's called like the Olympic of beers, as far as I'm aware. Um, this one, so this be year, every four years, should be. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I suppose if you do the Winter Olympics and the Summer Olympics every two years, so dark and light. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, um, could, you could get it. I think this year's one was in Nashville, yeah. in Tennessee. It was, yeah, I got a bit confused. I this one confused with. The World Beer Awards, I have to admit. Yeah. Yes. So, so, so this one, there were um, beers um, from 33 different countries, of, of which 72% of that was outside of the US as, as well. So even though it was hosted in the US, vast majority of the beers being judged from outside of, That's uh, actually of the, quite a number, the US. Uh, and they were judged over six sessions by an elite panel. Oh, I love that word. Elite. Elite panel of 295 judges. I mean, that's a lot of judges mm. to, to get through these beers. Um, but, but there was over 8,000 yeah, entries of beers. But those judges evaluated 8,234 beers. So that's actually a lot how, how of many, beers. How many beers is that per judge? <laughs> Divide that's, that quickly. <laughs> that's a lot, isn't yeah. it? Um, and, and, but that was also a, a 25% increase from the number of entries for the 2016 World Beer Cup. Uh, as well, so there's, there's, there's been a step up there. So out of the possible 303 awards in 101 beer style categories, 302 were awarded. One gold was not given in category 36, which was international style Pilsner. James, there's, there's a market there, isn't there? You have two years and counting. From yeah, now. yeah. We're, we're off. Um, but UK breweries did quite well, so we, we bought home two golds, two silvers, and two bronzes. That's from, not bad for an Olympics. From, from the awards, no. It's, we would take that, you get your national lottery funding off the back yeah, of that. It's, it's almost better than some Olympics <laughs> that we've been part of in the past. So, so the two golds went to um, Cromarty, who got uh, a gold for their Red Rocker, yeah. which is a rye beer, and to Camden Town uh, for Gentleman's Wicked, which is their Belgian-style wit beer. As, oh, as, as really? Well. Yeah. I, I think that's actually a really good example of the Belgian-style wit beer because it's really gentle. It's a really gentle introduction yeah. to it as yeah. well. Yeah. Silvers went to um, Siren for their Odyssey 08, which was a wood-aged and barrel-aged sour beer. So that's in that, the, that was the fancy bottle one, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah small one. Uh, and another silver to another, again to Camden Town for their Camden Pills Lager, which which got the other international style lager silver. Obviously, but it wasn't not, quite was good it, enough for the gold. Well. But not for the international style pill. Oh, okay. So, yeah, interesting. Yeah. That one. But Surely, if you're good enough for silver and there's no gold winner, you win gold. 
by default almost. You would have thought. There has to be a, re- a rationale yeah, for that. Yeah, there's got to be some more criteria understand. that we don't understand. And then two bronzes. So one of the bronzes went to four pure for their Pils Lagner. Uh, Lagner? Lagner. You style. Reddy's kicking your ass <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, there we go. It's, it's getting me already. Um, the, the Pils Lager and then a bronze to Burning Sky for their Saison anniversary. So, yeah. So, how many styles did you say there were again? Style um, categories. 303. Wow. Yeah. And, and when you go onto the, the, the kind of website and start looking through them, the list yeah. is huge. Yeah. Um, but I mean that's no, a good showing from UK breweries, yeah. 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 Fair play. It's it's never really been something we've um, we've gone after awards or accolades or that sort of stuff. I often wonder, but um, I, I often think it's just an excuse for people to get pissed. So you know, do, do those breweries still, enter that's, that's their not bad, that's yeah. not bad in, into yeah, that, or yeah. do they just literally get picked? No, up by, no. This oh, will, this is a great bit. No, that that'll be an entry, and I imagine there's probably a fairly healthy charge to it. It's like the uh, oh, okay. beer, uh, World Beer Awards. Which is the annual one. Which is the annual one. Which is fairly famously won by the brewery who's got the biggest wallet. Um, oh, okay. Because it's about 1,500 quid per beer or something wow. daft to enter. Um, yeah, I mean, if, if that's if that's where you want to go, that's, uh, you know, but it's a great showing by UK breweries. And interestingly, no, no one covering the IPAs or anything like that, which I think is a, a shame. Do you think that's still a very much a title that's well, held by the US? I think it. I think it's quite interesting if you think you've got Cloudwater as rate the second best brewery in the world, but not winning beer awards for IPAs and stuff. Mm. I, 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 yeah. I think it depends on your on your kind of point. indicators, yeah. doesn't it? But I think it, it's an interesting one. It, it, it's very subjective as well. So. I think we could do better in the darks and we could do better in the IPAs, um, but it's good to see us winning stuff in the lagers and pilsners, so great. Absolutely, yeah. Um, next up, we've got um, some news about uh, the Birmingham Beer Week, which is returning this year. Um, so running from 20th of July to the 29th of July, um, they're aiming to make the week bigger and better and to promote more of uh, beery culture rather than just venues and, and, and things. So very much in the theme of what we've heard from other beer weeks. Similar to Manchester, Yeah, it? yeah. Um, so, so that's coming back. If you want more information on that and some of the events that are running, uh, BirminghamBeerWeek.uk. When does that run from? Um, 20th of July until the 29th of July. So I imagine it will encapsulate that uh, lock and key beer festival. Yeah, so it's back end. It's school holidays, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then the final news story. This is a, one that you've dug into a little bit this week, isn't it? In yeah. terms of um, Truman's have announced that they're um, apparently making a historic move back into the UK pub scene. So yeah, so they're um, taking over the Newman's Arms in Fitzrovia. Yeah, so it's going to be effectively the Truman's uh, tap room. Um, well, one, I think they are planning a second one as well. And um, I just uh, was curious because I do a lot of running through the east end of London and you still see the old Truman's brand around a lot. So I just messaged them and said, well, how are you going to differentiate between you as Truman's now and where people see the Truman's signs outside pubs all the time? And um, apparently you're not really going to see much about Truman's on the outside of the pub in Fitzrovia. It's more about the fact that there's Newman's Arms. It's going to be pub 
um, a pie speciality place. I think is what they're really turning it into. So yeah, I was just curious about that. See, but see how fullers go for that. Yeah, um, but I'm I'm looking forward to finding out where the second one will be as well. I did ask that. Yeah. Didn't tell me. No, no, wouldn't tell you. No, no, no. They're going to say it's going to come soon, but they're not ready to tell anyone what it, where it's going to be the second one. Okay. So it's another place opening up a, another tap room, but tap room which is going to be a pub. Don't say tap room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean that's that's probably a great question to put to you again, James. Is it in terms of the, the tap room or the serving yeah. space for your beer? Yeah, yeah. How important is that? Has that, has that become to your business model now? Oh, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be the business we are without tap rooms. Um, we we identified it after we opened the Woolwich site because the um, we used to have events at the brewery running fairly regularly, and it got too busy and there was too much going on. So we, we basically decided to, to knock that on the head. And um, and after we did that, we, we needed a dedicated space to, to dispense our beer. It. Um, from a business side of things, you know, it doubled our revenue in a year. It did all that sort of, you know, good stuff. But it also gave us a great place to educate people, to take people and sample beers and tell them about what was going on. And it, I think it's it's crucial. Mm. Do you um, build up a loyalty as well? I think so. I, I, I've never quite worked out how you do the stats, but of the people who drink at our tap rooms regularly, how much, how many of them then go and buy hop stuff in other places? I think that would be a really, really interesting thing to try and find out. But I do think you do, because you, people get used to your brand and how you do it, and they get used to drinking it, and I think that, that can only be a good thing. And it's, I don't think it's a coincidence that you see a lot of breweries now, and in the last year or so, looking at tap rooms or pubs or yeah. whatever it might be, more seriously again than they, than they did. Um, I think gone are the days, even... Cloudwater and Northern Monk, and also, you know, they've announced tap rooms in London. Mm-hmm. It's, it seems like it makes a lot of sense, um, and there's a lot of people doing it. Do, do you see that as a threat to your business when, when you've got big, established, national, what, what were essentially national brands mm. coming into what could be argued as an already crowded space in London? Uh, I I don't necessarily see the appeal of brewers flocking to Bermondsey, um, but I, I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. As, as I was saying earlier, I think the more people who become aware of craft beer, the better for the industry, because, okay, yeah, the UK market's saturated and blah, 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 but it's, it's saturated as 2 or 3% of the market. If it were 14, 15% of the market, it would be a different mm. conversation. So... Why don't we? Why don't we try and promote that and share it? And I, and I think that's a good thing. Um, you know, the, the the cloud waters of this world, who who again, fantastic brewery, but I don't understand why they're flocking to to Bermondsey um, to open a tap room. Or I, th- I thought London, um, London Beer Factory was a fantastic example. And I, I know Edinson quite well, and I've said it to them whilst fairly pissed but um, they opened a barrel aging room on the Bermondsey beer mile if you wanted a barrel aging room you'd have opened it in Orpington or Swanley or Croydon Mm. or you opened it there because you wanted a bar let's be honest yeah and then more have done the same thing so I think 
they're a bit cheeky with how they do it, but it's fine. More people drinking good beers, the better. It just, it just, it just supposed to just raises that exposure, doesn't it? I suppose on a similar sort of note, obviously where you are now, Hawksburn and Black have announced that they're opening their second site. Well, literally the stones throw away from yeah, yeah. where we're, where we're well, recording it's, it's now. It's the first thing we saw when we came out of the station. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean that's presumably going to be a good thing. Yeah, we love the guys at Hotburns about. Yeah, when they opened in Peckham Dutch um, a couple of years ago, we were we had beer in there. And I think what they've done is is great. That London is still very very short on good, really good bottle shops. Uh, I think at the moment uh, we bought beer and beer boutique crowdfunding to to open a few more, and they're great uh, great venues. And I think the more good takeout options we can have because the UK supermarket it, scene is nowhere near the US or, yeah. or anywhere else so we need more good independent bottle shops opening up and it just if if that place kills it and raises the awareness of craft beer and people can come here and have a few beers and then go up there and take them away I think that's that's a great come thing. here for a bite to eat for a yeah. pizza yeah, yeah. fantastic you see the two working together. I think there's. I a, hope yeah, so. There's definitely synergy there. Yeah, I think. I hope so. Absolutely. Yeah. So I've not asked a question, but I wonder if uh, if us opening had anything to do with it. <laughs> I'm sure not. But it's um, but it's a nice thing, nevertheless. Right, proof of concept. It's no harm at all. Yeah. So so in order for you to open the the, the tap rooms and to start expanding the business, um, you went back to the crowdfunding option again, didn't you, sir? Yeah. So we've done. Um, We've done three. So, so in 2015, 2016, I can't remember which one it was, we, we, looked, we did funding two, but we were very, very focused about why we were doing that. We said we're doing that to expand the brewery. And that's... Yeah. Okay, so crowdfunding one was crowdfunding, to open the brewery. Crowdfunding one was to open. Crowdfunding two was to expand. Expand the brewery. Yeah. And then, and then very deliberately, crowdfunding three was very focused on expanding the bars. Yeah. Um, and we said we're going to try and open eight by the end of next year. Um, and where in which one now? So, uh, depending on when this, well, this, <laughs> this is going out next week from recording. So, um, we should have announced, and if we haven't announced, you guys will have the absolute exclusive. Love an exclusive. Um, Love an exclusive. Yep. Get in. The. Uh, we're opening the third tap room in Ashford on the 11th of May, which will be last Friday. Yeah, so that'll be open yeah. Yeah. now. That'll be um, listen. And the newest tap room, which is tap room four, is going to be um, in the River Gardens development of Greenwich. Uh, and that should be open by summer 2018. And we're um, in, so we're in tap room two. So we're currently in tap room two, yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll be up to four by the summer, which is uh, hard work, but a lot of fun. Yeah, and all of the tap rooms are obviously supplying your beer mm-hmm. as a core range. It should be. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if, we, if we had enough of it, if um, we had turned up just after a hot bank holiday yeah. weekend. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and then a number of guest beers. Yes. As, yeah, yeah. As, as well, and are those. How, how do you go about choosing the guest beers? Are they purely breweries that you've worked with, uh, breweries that you respect? What's available there's a, there's for you a lot to of bring that. in? There's a lot of that. We, we, um, we talk about it quite regularly being peer matching. We look at breweries we like and want to be seen next to and we make sure we're stocked with them. Um, and if we can support them and, and buy beer for ourselves, then that's great. Um, 
we buy beer from people we work with, people we respect, people we like the beer off, basically. Mm. Um, I mean, looking at the board now, it's a good mix up there. You've got yeah. some local beers, because we had um, a beer from Villages, yep. effectively their session IPA, yep. uh, before we started recording. Yeah. And they're only just down the road, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Well, you, yeah, a couple hundred metres away. Yeah, you've yeah. got some, some sirens, some magic rocks, some wild beer. Yeah. yeah it's, a good, it's a good mix up there, actually. Yeah, and I think we, we have this idea that in an ideal world we're on about 50 50. Um, that doesn't always happen because we have always struggled for stock. Um, as, a, as a business, we've always struggled to supply our own bars, let alone our, our kind of wider taps. Have you got so. plans to? So if you're opening, going to have four tap rooms, including where the brewery is, have you got plans to expand the brewery capacity? So the, the brewery capacity has gone from about 2,000 or 3,000 hex to 12,000 hex in the last year. Um, so obviously fairly dramatic. So we and is that enough? Uh, that should be enough to see us through this year, and then we're planning to go up to 20,000 hex by the end of next year. With Which will allow for another few tap rooms yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the the new brewery, the, the the process of commissioning a new brewery is is, is lengthy. Um, so we've kind of been working with with what we can. We're now at the point where we're test brewing and we're trialing stuff on the new kit. We're adjusting recipes. Mm. It's not as easy as just timesing it by four because uh, we've gone from a ten barrel to a forty barrel. So we're doing that process at the moment. So just whilst we're literally in the final couple of weeks of, of, of being such so tight on stock, yeah. um, as soon as that's done, we should hopefully flood things back out again. Because um, I, I think a, ta- a good tap room, and that's the brand as well, yeah. but a good tap room should always have the home home beers first. Yes, yes. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. when I turn up to a tap room, I always want to go for yeah. the brewery beers. Yeah, and, absolutely. And maybe particularly those beers that the brewery are known for as yeah. well. Also, but I can't, I can't get hold of Favourite Field. Yeah. Well, so, yeah. so one, of the, one of the really interesting things, and one of the things my team are really excited about, is that the new brewery allows us capacity to have more fun. Okay. We've had, we've had a real more pro- experimental yeah. stuff. Yeah. We've had a real problem over the last couple of years of just maintaining core stock. Um, so things like the 4-Hour and the Rennie are our two biggest sellers, and the Pilsner so it takes up so much time, so much room. We still longer the Pilsner for six weeks, and you know that ties a tank up for an awful long time so trying to maintain stock as we've been as we've been going through has been has been challenging so now we're finally at this point where okay a a brew will give us 200 kegs of four hour in a single go fantastic we'll sell that in a week or two you know that's kind of where the demand is at the moment which is great but then we can also we can afford to have a tank tied up with a sour or a dark or um, yeah. The guys are really keen to do more dippers and other dry hops and some different IPAs and all kind. Of, you know, they want to do a small beer. They want to do sours and this and that, and, and that's great. But we just we've got to get to the point where we can supply a core range, and then we then we do the rest. I, I, it, I agree. I think from a business perspective, core range comes first. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is that then reacting to the market as well and seeing what else people are doing and saying, oh, I, we'd really like to do one of those. I don't think, well, maybe maybe in part, but I don't think hop stuff is particularly well known for chasing the market. Mm. I, I kind of think we, we set ourselves slightly differently in this kind of sessionable, approachable craft offer. Um, and I, I think it's nice to dip our toe in the 
New England IPAs of this world and, and, and do that sort of stuff but we don't go chasing it but I guess maybe as you become more aware of it and as the market becomes more aware of it you, you probably have a bit more flexibility to stretch your legs and try a bit and I, I guess maybe that's where we we follow um, but I don't think we you know, I don't think we'll have any concern about there being too many New England IPAs out or the fact that someone else has just done one so we yeah, have I to don't, do I one I don't think you need to worry about well, there being no. too many of although there was a I saw a very funny thing on Twitter a couple of days ago where it was um Oh, can you can you remember when we were kids and all we used to drink is fruity Bacardi breezes and hooch? The guy sips his New England IPA and says, "Oh, how sophisticated we now are!" Yeah. <laughs> because it's all just it's mango exactly and pineapple yeah. and you know. <laughs> um, but I think I think it's probably awareness more than anything. Yeah. I, th- yeah. I think that allows you the creative license to go and do some more stuff. Mm-hmm. We're not. Um, I don't think we ever will be you know, the, the craftiest brewery out there. I don't ever think hop stuff's going to be chasing cloud water in terms of second best brewery in the world but, but that's kind of it's a very different market and, and that hyper craft isn't isn't really us I think if, if if I go back to that original chat that I had with you that was never what you set out to be anyway what, what no. you wanted to produce was just really good beer that was local beer for local people yeah and I, I, I think even back then you said we're not going to be chasing the craft. I market. have the League of Gentlemen in my head every time you say that. <laughs> <laughs> local beer for local people. Sorry. Um, but certainly as, as, as you've begun to grow, you, you have changed the number of things about the way you do things. So your small packages now, you're in cans now, aren't you, yeah. rather than, yeah. than, than bowls. Is, is that... Is that because the way that's the market's gone, or is that because that allows you to get more beer to more people? I think, I think again, it's 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 maybe a bit of both. Becoming more aware of, of, of that being a format. I think having spent in the last, I'm very fortunate in the last two years, I've spent four or five weeks in America and seeing the way their market is. I think is is um, interesting for the UK beer scene to see where it could go and what could happen. Uh, and if you look out there, it, it, it's all can format, and it's it seems to work better for their supermarkets. It seems to work better for their public. It's six pack, grab packs. It's definitely works better in the supermarkets. Yeah. So um, we we had money from from funding too, and we kind of we had the a decision to make: do we go bottle or do we go can? Um, we could have done both but not as well so we decided that we were going to, to back one of them um, and we felt that our kind of casual approachable craft thing you know summer barbecues and beach and all that sort of stuff it would just it would go better with, with can yeah. um, so, so that's the decision we made mm-hmm. there wasn't a there wasn't a desperate oh well whoever next door are doing can so we must do can yeah. it was more looking at where the market is going to be in five years or ten years because you're investing hundreds of thousand pounds in a new bit of kit yeah. you, you want to make sure it's going to be relevant in and, and you can, five years time so you're canning in house as well yeah. so you've, you've got the kit to do yeah, yeah. All, so all your cans we bought a uh, 60 can a minute link can ABE canning line yeah big D power and it's a beautiful bit of kit um, but yeah it'll it'll do 20,000 cans a day if we pushed it mm-hmm. I mean it's it's future proof so, so with all this expansion of the the, the brewery, the tap rooms, the mm. business, with, with that comes obviously you being responsible for more and more people. 
yeah. ultimately, at the end of the day, I'm, tr- yeah. I'm sure you have some very competent general managers that sit underneath you, yeah, under, yeah. under each of yeah. the sections of the business. We're very lucky. But you're responsible, ultimately, for, for, for those individuals. What's what's the impact of that on, on, on you as, as an individual? <laughs> wow. Um, I mean, it's... Uh, it's, it's tough. I mean, it's really, really tough. Uh, I don't think anyone, I don't think anyone starting a business would, would tell you otherwise, um, or, or scaling a business to, to the point we have. You know, payroll hurts. Obviously, you've, you've got a lot of mouths to feed, and you need to look after people. Yeah. Um, the, the the kind of the personal lives of, of your team matter. Um, you know, we've got. He won't mind me saying anything. You know, we've got one guy at the moment who's on a on a visa to be in the UK, and he's um, from uh, from um, well Australia, and New Zealand. But he uh, his visa runs out next year, and we're trying to work out if we can keep him and how we do that. And he wants to stay in the UK, but his visa expires, and it, you know, all, all this stuff suddenly matters. You know, you've got people's lives that you're you're working with. Um, did, did you manage in your previous? Life or is this all new? So this is all new. No, I never had any line. You had no personnel responsibilities. Um, It's a learning curve. You know, we've got uh, members of our team with young families, and I'm very fortunate. I've now got a little boy, and you have the conversation. You know, one of them will say, "I I need a bit more money, or I need this, or I've got a job here, and what do I do?" And you know, I think we're, we're very lucky. We we have a fairly open business in terms of communication. Um, I think most of the team would speak to me if they needed to about most things, but you, you do have these battles um, and you do have these really, really difficult situations between the compassionate side and the commercial side. Um, and it's, it's stressful. I mean, you know, having left my old life and thought that was stressful, it's, it's nothing compared to... Um, nothing compared to this it's uh, but then on the flip side of that when when it's good the highs are incredible yeah the high you know a new venue opening I think I said earlier a new venue opening is the most incredible feeling but you do go from extreme high to extreme low in about two days (laughs) so so, yeah it's uh, it's challenging and and I think one of the biggest barriers to, to small businesses growing not just breweries but small businesses growing is, is having a an owner that's nuts enough to do it because it is hard it's really hard and do you put a lot of pressure on yourself to make sure you've got visibility across all of the sites as well so, so, so do you like to make sure that you, your general managers are seeing you on a regular basis and the staff are seeing you and, and the staff actually know who you are as well when I, you walk into a place yeah I, I used to a lot more. Uh, I think. I think now, given how thinly spread I would be if I tried to do that, I think. Actually, having had a chat with a few of my my senior guys, I've got a couple of guys who came out in the meantime, and, and they've said, you know, they never used to see the, the MD because he was off doing this and doing that, and, and and I've learned, I guess, for me personally, I've learned to take a bit more time out and not snap quite as quickly as I maybe would have done in the past. You know, if if something goes wrong or I'm not happy with something. I think trying to take a bit more of a measured approach and be a bit more calm with things is is crucial to that. Mm. Probably um, for you as well as your, yeah, your, yeah. your general managers as well. Yeah, and you know the 
the brewery is a huge part of the business, but then each bar is a huge part of the business as well. So finding the time to split between those various things is, is often very challenging. Uh, I'm probably in the brewery two or three days a week, and then I'm at taps or in meetings of the other couple yeah. of days a week. Or what I find now, and, and what I really enjoy doing, is I work from home a couple of days a week typically because I get to see my little boy, and that's lovely. Um, I get to see my wife because she's on maternity leave at the moment, which is which is lovely. And you, we can go weeks without really interacting if we're yes. if we're busy because you just you pass each other like yeah. chips in the night. So um, yeah, that's really nice. But you also you get a chance to sit down in a comfortable environment in your home without any distractions. You actually get work done. Um, I think it was Steve Jobs who famously used to talk about like deep work or whatever it was, where people would just switch everything off and just get on with stuff. Um, and I've started doing that a lot more, so I think that's really helpful, just to actually get stuff done. So we've now got um, another beer being presented to us. <laughs> thank you, James. Yeah, thank right. you, James. Uh, um, this is uh, Freudian Strip, which is your Vienna Lager. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So tell us a little bit about the beer, mate. So uh, we did a, a couple of collaborations with a company called Quite Good Cards. Um, so they did the design for the Woody Barrelson and the Freudian Strip. Um, so Freud went to the University of Vienna um, and rather kind of stretched uh, connection but you know we liked the idea of doing something a bit jokey and working with quite good cards to do a bit something a bit mm-hmm. spoofy and um, yeah this Vienna Lager was, was born I mean it's um, it's orangey and it's spicy and it's um, quite easy drinking but it's uh, it's an interesting one for us it's not part of the core range it's probably it's not really even part of the seasonal range it's something we uh, we did at the start of well I think we we brewed it in March this year um, and we've got one more can release of it uh, and I think these are the last couple of cases we have at our, yeah. at our own bars and then it'll um, it'll go away for a bit Is it, has it proved quite popular people enjoyed it it's been a really it's been a great one for sharing I'm really enjoying this it's um, like I say it's got um it's got some deep flavours to that. Yeah, it's, it's not chewy, but it's just got something to make you really swish it around your mouth. A bit of caramel, yeah. very earthy, nitness to it. Maybe hints of copper for me coming through on that as well. It's, quite, it's got that dark colour through being a large yeah. resin as well. I mean, it looks like a, an old-fashioned tinned bitter in the glass, but it doesn't. unfortunately it doesn't taste like that at all. No. Mm. That, it's got that colour to it, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Again, drinks drinks very well, and um, you could drink a few of them without realising it. You know, yeah. We're halfway through glasses already. Yeah. Absolutely. So let's um let's move on to the I suppose the the meat of the show, which is um this week's question. Opinions, 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 opinions. Opinions. We were asking, should the drinks industry do more to support the mental health and well-being of its workforce? Which was um, quite a departure for us in terms of some polls that we've done in the past. Well, as, as Ronnie... <laughs> Ronnie was the first person to, to point that out, wasn't as he? Ronnie Bean. Yeah. Wow, that's a radical change in the usual poll things. It, it is. And yes, I, that's what I thought as well. This, this came out of... Um, there was a, an article a few weeks back in the Morning Advertiser, um, which um, was basically highlighting uh, a report that had been put together by Perkbox that had 
um, it, it was on the result of they had done some research with 3,000 UK workers in, in terms of mental health conditions uh, at their workplaces. And, and from that, they, they, there were a number of findings. It's quite an extensive report, actually. It, it's, if, if you read through it, and we'll, we'll put a link in the show notes yeah. if, if, if you want to I have a read through it. I think it's worth doing. I have yeah. read through it. It's, yeah. It is extensive. It's quite a nightmare, actually. Yeah. So, so it, essentially what the report said was that stress was responsible for 49% of all working days lost in 2016-17. So that's, yeah, so that's, that's half the days off. Half of the working days are lost due to stress. So forgetting about weather... Colds, flus, anything, anything like that. Yeah, half is stress. Yeah, and that the Midlands and the Southeast are, the, are essentially the hotspots in in the UK for for for, for stress. And um, the flip side of that is that they also said that that there was only literally one city in the north of England and one city in Scotland that had compar- comparable numbers yeah. to, to to this. Um, Work being the most common cause of stress in adults at 59%. And, and then it started breaking it down. And, and this is where we start getting interested in it. So hospitality, um, closely followed by leisure, are the worst for supporting staff. So hospitality being at 64% and leisure being at 63%. Now, that's, that's quite interesting for, for me. And it's, it's, it's where I want to start bringing you into this. Yeah. That this James is, is is that obviously, you know, as, as as we've said earlier, you've gone from being a guy that loved beer and wanted to basically produce great beer mm-hmm. to running a brewery, to running a business that now owns a number of tap rooms, and you're rapidly approaching a hundred staff. That at the end of the day, you're ultimately responsible for yep. for, for, for those staff. Um, so. What 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 do you do to support your staff? Stays stays away. There's a load of questions. Yeah, stays away. Pays the bills. Yeah, I mean, what, what, what's what's the approach that you you, you take to it? Because you, you do work in an industry where essentially you've got a lot of frontline staff. Yeah, absolutely. That, that if somebody's not yeah. happy, it's the frontline staff that are going to bear the brunt of that. Yeah. Behind that, has got to sit whatever your strategy is to support your staff. I think, firstly, we're we're very very fortunate in that um, our team don't face a lot of complaints. Okay, we're we're very very lucky to hear. Yeah, we're very lucky there because we what we do is fairly transparent. There's not a lot of places to hide, and um, yeah, we, we we make pizzas, we make wings, and we. We sell beer. I mean, that, in terms of the, the the retail side of it, that's what we do. Yeah. Um, and I think we're we're very very fortunate. If you look at uh, TripAdvisor and, and all that sort of stuff, we we're very fortunate there. So I guess in in that respect, our team don't come under that much pressure for in terms of customer complaints. Mm-hmm. That said, on a busy Friday night when orders go wrong, of course they do. Um, I think we have a, a fairly transparent system where we, we do an end of night where anyone who's having problems or whatever they just flag it up just so we know about it and then we discuss it once a week when we have our little sit downs and that's is that a formal a formal process in place so do you go around to it all the tap rooms and have a conversation so at, at the end of every night each one of our 
GMs or whoever's closing the site will put an end of night together, which basically tells us what the bar's done in the day and all the kind of financial side, but they also say anything that's, that's happened that needs discussing. Um, and then at the end of each week on a Monday, the GM compiles an end of week pack, so we get a little pack to say, this is what's happened, and then from that we can take away what we need to, so if there's a particular problem customer, or something's not working, or someone's not pulling their weight, or, or whatever it might be, what, we, what, we can then what, review it from there. What prompted that, though? Because so, um, it's, to me, I'm not sure, I don't know, but everyone else may yeah. well do, but it sounds quite unusual to do um, that every week. It just it just seemed like it made a lot of sense. I think I'm maybe I'm a bit of a control freak, but I, I like to know what's going on. Um, and I think my, my team do as well and because we've got a couple of sites now and people want to know what's going on elsewhere in the group as well um, it's quite good just to have a fairly open dialogue I, 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 I guess no, I, think, I think it's great but I just, um, every week I think it's an excellent way of doing it because yeah. you know, if, if I go back to what used to be your previous environment yeah. working in the city and my one now unless you set something up you may not go from six months to a year well, I think having those kind of conversations. We, we have the opportunity. A bar week is a, is a fairly clean-cut week, if that makes sense. Or is it, you know, if you're working in the city or you're in uh, recruitment or you work on a project, that could be six months, it could be a year you're working on it. Whereas for us, you go a week, you stop, you go a week, you stop. So it makes sense that our end-of-week pack that includes all the financials and all the kind of important stuff on that side of things also includes um, XYZ didn't show up to work uh, whoever um, had, a, had an incident on Friday night or this happened or this happened and then you can react to it um, I think that that seems to work really well for us and I think it might be overkill but at the same time it's it's nice to know it's there um, I think it sounds pretty sensible and I think absolutely we, yeah as a, as a business, we're very, very lucky. We have a very, very low staff turnover. Very low staff turnover. And I think it's it's part of that culture, part of that kind of authenticity piece that where people feel like they're part of a, a journey. Yeah. And, you know, that there are times where maybe I, I ask an awful lot of my team, there are times where you know, I can give them a bit of a break and we can relax a little bit. But I think everyone knows what we're striving to achieve and what we're striving to, striving to grow and I think that helps an awful lot communication and from me telling people what's going on and we've created a, a new internal thing where every week all of the management team will report on what they're up to that week so you know everyone from kitchen porter to MD sees the same information on, on what the group is up to um, having that access to information is, is quite helpful as well I think and technically, it's so easy these days, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's not, not, not that's not the biggest thing to do. Our, is it? Um, our social media and events coordinator, Jenny, basically puts an email together at the end of each week and says, "James has been here, Matthew's been here, Doug's been here," you know, and just tells people what we're up yeah. to. Um, it seems to work really well. Okay, so your social communicator does internal and external. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and we should probably give her a shout out because she essentially made this happen. And she reminded yeah. James to respond to us a couple yeah, of times. She, well. yeah, yeah. James, will you email them I'm, back? I'm quite busy. <laughs> what, what, what about the flip side of that, James? What, what, what about the impact that's had on you as an individual in terms of suddenly going from yeah. you and 
two blokes running a brewery yeah. to you and 70, 80, 90 odd staff. Yeah. The, the, how have you dealt the, with that pressure? The, the dynamic's an interesting one. I think I've developed an awful lot over, over those couple of, you know, those few years we've been doing it. I, if you ask, uh, you're probably better asking a guy called Luke this question because he was my first ever employee and he's still with us and I that's a, that's okay, a good, that's a, Luke. <laughs> that's a good sign though yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah he's still here, still you know, here. Back, in, back in the early days when I when something didn't go wrong I'd, I'd F and I'd Jeff and I'd, you know, and I'd have a strop and and now actually it's it's a bit more logical than that okay, well, this has gone wrong how do we solve it what do we need to do where do we fix it and, and I think for, for me personally that the stress is huge but if you know you've got a good team around you a lot of the stress of the operational side of things is taken away so the new brewery we've got a very good head brewer who's overseeing that process and we've got a very good ops manager who oversees the bar process so all I kind of have to focus on is the, the bigger picture and okay alright I can rather shamefully I can go a week or two weeks without seeing the guys in any of the bars um, but I know they're fairly well looked after and I like to think um, if there was a serious problem I'd be made aware of it fairly quickly mm-hmm. we've also unlike a lot of companies of our size we also have a HR and compliance manager who helps look after that side of the the boring side of the world as I no, call it I think that's but it's very, important, it's very important and, and his, that's his, a cost Oh yeah absolutely I mean that's a cost yeah, because it's an investment for us you know that's no immediate return on that investment is there no well yes and no I think uh, a very low staffed churn is is a direct yeah income you know you, you haven't got to spend time looking for new people um, the GM from Woolwich, the first bar, is still with us. GM from Deptford is still with us. I still think it's a cost which yeah. a lot of people wouldn't go for. No, absolutely not. It's it, but but we kind of so it's quite it's quite an interesting example actually because he, my GM from Woolwich, um, turned around to me and said, "Look, I'm moving out of London. I have two young kids now, and we want to." You know, save up to buy a place we can't afford to do that living in London we're moving out um, I really don't want to leave Hop Stuff I love it here but I'm a bit worried about what's going to happen because he couldn't commute in to, to do the job because he would miss the last train every night and blah 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 so we sat down we had a conversation and we said okay well what do you want to do what, what do you want to do and he said well I, I'm, I'm quite into my compliance and quite like having things documented in that sort of so so we said okay well what if we sponsor you through some learning and development roles you could become our HR and compliance and we we put a program in place whereby he could go through certain training things whilst also being GM where he could learn how to do that role and, and now that's what he does that's um, brilliant. Yeah. Really investing in your staff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, so so we pulled a we pulled a we did a um, we did a town hall, which is, is, a, is a slightly kind of. God. I missed one this afternoon because uh, we're good. working this afternoon. Good. I avoided one this <laughs> afternoon. A, yeah. Sorry, sorry for your listeners, but I'll, I'd, I'd describe it as a slightly wanky thing from um, <laughs> from uh, from a former life. But it uh, but it is a, it is a good way of telling people what you're up to. Yeah. And 
you know, there were people in the various bars that I hadn't even met yet, which was quite scary. But we, we all sat down, we had a chat, and we kind of went through what was going on and who was doing what. And my ops manager for the bars pulled out uh, a bit of information and said 25% of the people who started in Woolwich have now had some form of internal promotion since they started. It was show. You know, it's a decent chunk of people getting uh, getting moved yeah. through. Yeah. Um, if I think about my own workplace, that's far higher. Yeah. You know, so in terms, we're, we're very lucky that we've got a really good team. But good people make good places, and I think we you need to invest in that. Let's 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 bring it back to the poll. So we had three hundred and four people vote on this one. Eighty nine percent of people said yes. Eleven percent of people said no. I, I'm surprised that that no was so high. I think I'd caveat the no by, I think because we squared the question at the drinks industry, I think a lot of people were saying no based on it should be everyone. Yeah, which is um, a lot of people, almost 40% of people that commented on, on this poll said, well, no, this should be across every industry, which I, I, I don't yeah. think is, any, anyone's going to argue about yeah. that. Well, obviously, what we do is, the drinks industry yeah. so this yeah. is where we were Beers. highlighting yeah, yeah booze beer that kind of thing yeah so, so, so let's dive into some of the comments so uh, Jamie H at Merchant of Shite said I work in mental health and even within that industry the level of support and understanding can still leave a fair bit to be desired manning up and getting on with it is the overriding message from those up high anxiety doesn't work like that funnily enough it's a really so, good comment it's, it's a great comment because and um, it's something definitely I recognise from working in the city is that attitude yeah Yeah. I think most of us have been through it but having I I think for me personally I think having been through that journey of having not necessarily anxiety in its true form but but, you know having pressures and stresses and feeling that you become a bit more sympathetic to it I think you know having this conversation with my HR and compliance guy as soon as he told me he was having a second kid I just had my first and I'm like I, compl- I get it now. Yeah. Yeah. I think people, I've seen it in a wider world and with family members, but seeing it and experiencing it and, and becoming aware of it, it's not until you've actually seen it that you fully appreciate how damaging it can be. Yeah. And I think you know it's it's often overlooked in the zero hours contract of you know system yeah. to actually look after people. Um, and you never know how good one of those people could be if you just invested in them, I guess. Yeah, so we had some more comments. So from Beer Frontiers, at Beer Frontiers. As above, every industry should be way more responsible for this. And I think this next bit is a very good point. But especially an industry that gives people easy access to intoxicating substances. I think that's a really good point. That that came through a couple of people, didn't it? And that sparked a bit of a debate, didn't it, in terms of you're working in an industry where you've got access to something that can... Temporarily ease your stress, ease your pain, whatever it might be. Yeah. You know, end of evening. We've all done it. Everyone's got home with a glass of wine or a beer. Yeah. Everyone, if they've had a hard day. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's your default action, isn't it? Which is dangerous. I suppose if it becomes a default all the time and yeah. stops being default and just becomes habit yeah you know where it comes so, from so I'm guessing staff on site aren't allowed to be consuming no certainly while they're working no at the end of a shift are they yeah, yeah. entitled to typically we say we say they can have a hop stuff beer yeah 
I think it's I think it's quite nice. You know, it, particularly if you've been busy. Uh, if people can just have half an hour to unwind. Don't, again, I'm sure we've all we've all been there. But you go home after a really tough day and you can't switch your mind off. And you sat there at three o'clock in the morning. And you're still wired, and you're like, what? Why? Yeah. I the alarm set for six. Why yeah. am I still awake? And then you start thinking, well, I've only got three hours. And you look back, I've only got two and a half yeah, hours. Yeah. Oh my god, there's no point now. So yeah, actually, yeah. actually, just saying to people, all right, well, look, just don't take the piss, but sit down at the end of the night, have a beer, relax, and just then go something home. Something to help you switch off, isn't it? That's, yeah. that, that, that's I mean, thing. for me, the switching off for me, much to many people's surprise, might be the commute. As much as it annoys me, however long it takes, sometimes. It does give you that mo- that time when you're not around other people. You're not talking about work. If I don't connect when I'm on the commute on the way home. On the way in, yeah. I might, but on the way home, no. That's that's my time. If everybody's got that, you have to have a trigger, haven't they? Yeah, that switch, helps, them to, that helps yeah. you switch off. Yeah. I, personally, for me, it's not similar. I so we've moved down into Kent now, and I drive to and from work whenever I come up. Um, it's an hour each way sit in the car put the radio on you can't look at your phone you can't do, so actually you're, you're, you're forced to just sit there and, okay yeah. there might be a few arseholes on the road who sit in the middle lane it's my personal bugbear <laughs> but at the same time it's, it's your time and, and having time for yourself and relaxing is really important yeah and you know we probably get less of it now oh yeah than we used to or perceptually we get less yeah. of it sometimes yeah. I think yeah. I don't know Shamefully, I, I shouldn't admit this. I was, I saw the, I was flicking through the Daily Mail on my way up on the train. Oh my! God. I, Can uh, you edit that bit out? Sorry, <laughs> scrap that. Um, and there was, there was this thing about, um, this thing about Elton John was saying he uh, he hates going out now because everyone's got camera phones. Nothing's private anymore. Everyone's everyone's. You know, you can take a photo. You can access things. You can constantly be on show at all times. So that there's there's no scenario. Even with, with when you're with your friends, this habit of like taking photos and doing, yeah. what didn't exist ten years, twenty right. years ago. So actually now the, there's the pressure even when you're not on display that you might be on display yeah. even if you're in a private group. Yeah, that's it, true. It's, it's difficult. Absolutely, yeah. So we've got this one from Mike McGuire at McGuire Mike. I'm 18 years into a military career. Early days was very much man the fuck up princess tissues for issues etc we now have a plethora of facilities that to, to help those most affected but more needs to be done across all industries and the NHS needs to be given the money to support is, is there anyone that would, would question that the NHS need to be able to, to, to do their job basically well especially with anything to do with mental health yeah it's very difficult though because you can't see it yeah quite that's, often that's the thing isn't um, it with mental health you can't it's not like a broken arm yeah you know, so so it's a real challenge um, I think for arguably for men more than women maybe I've got that wrong the um, the willingness to talk about that sort of stuff is often there is still that kind of stigma around it I think it's, it's probably still harder yeah to be fair I think it's just but going and having a chat with your doctor and just saying yeah. that I'm, I'm feeling quite down is maybe the best thing you'll ever do yeah. I think I think getting to that point where you have to go to yeah. where you feel like you have to go to your doctor and have that conversation that I know I'm not right yeah. because of X, Y and Z yeah. and actually having that diagnosed 
is is a moment. Well, and being told that yes, there's something wrong with you, but also at the same time, it's just not you being um, a bit odd or a bit paranoid. Yeah, but uh, same, there is saying if you you know if you have a broken arm, for example, that's fine. It's physical. It's you physical. can fix that. You have this thing, yeah. and everyone yeah. goes, "How are you?" That yeah. kind of thing. Anything to do with your neck up, people have no idea what to do. Yeah. It's a bit like when someone passes away, they don't know whether they should say, I'm sorry for your loss, or I'm yeah. sorry, you know, I, I can't believe how, how you're coping with it, that kind of thing. As soon as it becomes a head up, people don't know what to say. We had a, we had a really difficult incident with, um, I won't say any names or anything, but we had, we had a really difficult incident with a guy in one of our kitchens who um, ha- had some fairly severe anxiety issues and to the point where he wouldn't get up come to work and he couldn't and um, we were put in this awful situation where we we couldn't support him because he was very distant from us we couldn't dismiss him because of his his problems or certainly we didn't want to mm. um, and we were left in this really compromised position but actually if, if he had turned around to us a couple of months earlier and said look this is kind of what's going on. We, we could have maybe been a bit more responsive to it, changed his hours around, worked with him a bit more before it got to that point. Did that but make did that communication's have, difficult? Yeah, I was going to say, did that make you reevaluate anything and that how you can encourage anyone to come to you with the same issue in the future? It's always it's always difficult, isn't it? And particularly when guys, sorry, I said guys, guys and girls, but um, you know, when when people are people are in a high pressure environment and a car on a busy Friday night or a kitchen a busy Friday night mm-hmm. is a really high pressure environment it's not saying I'd want to do no, no just to be clear not, take, no. your, take your Wall Street and stuff it you work a, you work a pass of a hundred cover kitchen yeah. on, a, uh, on a busy Friday night I had no interest yeah. in that exactly so you know I, I think people just need to be a bit more sympathetic with that and it, but, but it's very very difficult to get people to communicate because they're worried, am I going to get fired? Am I going to get let go? Am I hours going to get cut? People are on hourly pay, and you've got a problem. You can't work Friday and Saturday night because, you know, suddenly half your income goes. Yeah, it's that's un- true. It's really, and, and for, for bar owners, brewery owners, and our whole industry, it's really difficult to deal with. And we don't have all the answers. Um, but it, it, I, I thought when you guys mentioned this, it was quite an interesting one because something I'm quite conscious of and, and I, I think there does need to be more done to, to solve it from both sides I think yeah, yeah. You know, absolutely yeah, yeah. As, as somebody who works for a big corporation it's still hard to if me or someone on my team it's still hard because you do get there's still a do I really want to take that step and say something yeah mm. invariably these days especially in a big corporation generally it will be well accepted yeah. that you've had that conversation and the support is there and also the financial support because the company doesn't see it as a, a loss. They yeah. will see it as a positive way of bringing people back in again. The saying it doesn't quite work. Yeah. But I can imagine for small companies, especially small breweries and tap rooms, it must be quite hard. Well, you, as a small business, it's very, very difficult to, to cover salaries if people aren't working. Yeah. Yeah, let's just kind of put it out there. It, if, if you've got one person who drops out but they're still on full pay you, you've got to cover that and you're not getting return from yeah. it it's a really difficult position to be in and I think that there are fairly fundamental issues with 
uh, small business tax and all that sort of stuff that, that all feeds back into it. To say, well, you know, if if you've got a you know, if you've got a uh, an employee on long term sick, how, how can you, you know, all this statutory stuff is is rubbish. You know, how do you actually operationally work that? Um, I think there are there are ways that it can be better solved. And ultimately, you want to help that person yeah. come back in. Yeah. As well, that's what you're bring trying to do, isn't it? You, you want yeah. to bring that person back mm-hmm. in. So, you know... Well, for, out, for their own sake and yours. Yeah, exactly, for both sides. I think, just to probably reiterate the point that we was making there, one of the comments that we had from was from... Roland Glue at Has Been Newboy, who said, yes, as all industries should, which is obviously the ongoing theme yep. to, to, to this poll. If someone has gone to a doctor and been diagnosed with depression, do they get the same level of support as, say, if it was arthritis? Still lots of people thinking clinical depression means feeling down. It doesn't. It's an illness. So it's about actually addressing oh, fairly often the, the unseen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. someone says that, that staff have. They're depressed, and everyone goes, oh, what have you got to be, be depressed about? Yeah. Without knowing. But someone goes skiing and breaks a leg, which is, right, it was an accident, but they've chosen to go skiing, it's happened. Everyone, they, they get all the sympathy, they get their cast out, you get the signing on your cast, all that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. You get your time off work, you come back afterwards, you're welcome back to the fray. I don't think that happens no. all the time with anything, which, again, which is neck up. It, it doesn't because you, you kind of get you, uh, you feel like you've been labelled with that. Well, they can't cope. Yeah. So we, we can't trust them to do something because clearly they'll you just never, fall apart. You never know the mechanics behind it. You never know what's going on. And yeah. I think it's it's very difficult. You don't to know do. the causes of it. Yeah. No, either it's not always work. No. There might be things in their personal life that have caused that. Yeah, it works just the well, you left the toilet seat up too many times. Yeah, kind of it's conversation. Just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, I think yeah, I've I've become a lot more sympathetic to that in the last year um, than I, than I ever was. It's I would have I would have historically been one of those people saying, "Man, the fuck up! Come on, keep going." Yeah, uh, and I think now my priorities have shifted a little bit and I think that well-being piece is, is maybe a bit more relevant than it ever was. So do you think there's an experience thing there as well? So some of the new big companies that we have these days, Google, Facebook, they're all owned and run by quite young professionals, aren't they, who never quite imagined that's where it would go to. Do you think there's an element that some people aren't quite ready for that change. They're sometimes. simply not ready for, yeah, yeah. possibly. Well, yeah, I said, you, your, your emphasis is different. Shit. Different experiences throughout your life give you different pieces of information in different areas of it. Yeah. You know, um, before I was running a bar, I didn't know how to run a bar. But now I feel like I quite comfortably tell someone how to run a bar. No, it's rubbish in here. Well, fair enough. I'll, let you off as you're giving us beer, but <laughs> <laughs> but I think you, um, you know, say same with those sort of mental health issues. Until you've dealt with them uh, as an employer or an employee or whatever it might be, you don't know how to deal with them. Mm. You know, that's kind of that's just how it is. There is a, there is an education piece. I wouldn't necessarily say a, uh, I wouldn't necessarily say it's about experience. I'd say it's more about education mm. and, and making people aware that they can talk and. So when you, when you set up. So you have to go through various elements of bureaucracy red tape, don't you? Yeah. Did any of that include anything from the government to give you any tips about how to be... Squat. 
no. a manager, no. a boss, and help people. No, absolutely not. Yeah. There's, a, there's a piece missing there, isn't there? There well, is a piece missing there, yeah. Just, well, just some, something to pull back on, yeah. surely. I, I am personally of the opinion that the government's involved in too much of our lives anyway. Um, I think it's, it's a human, humanitarian compassion argument more than anything. It's about being mature as a human being and looking after people. Um, well, what if you don't I, know how to be one? Well, fair, fair point. Fair point. There should at least um, be, I would have thought, somewhere that you could go to. Yeah. But there are, there are a lot of platforms out there. There's things like um, ACAS. And, uh, there, there are ways of learning these things, but they tell you a very black and white scenario. They don't tell you a dynamic scenario. But a bit, it's not something you think of. Oh, God, mate. When, you were, when you were planning no, no. Crown Thunder 1 yeah. and setting up your bar yeah. and your brewery, do that, they, that do they ever think about long-term sick pay for yeah. it? Yeah, God, no. You, you just don't. But, yeah. um, but maybe that should come into it. I think maybe as, it should as be a least, I don't know how, but yeah. No, I don't know how. I, I'm, I'm not saying I've got the answer, but to at least give you a reminder that, right, this is brilliant, we support you in this, this and this, but have you thought about, yeah. you know, say you do grow, you're also going to be employing people. Have you thought about when this person does so-and-so or yeah. comes to you? Yeah. It's going to be new. I think there's an element where, you know, it's not about nanny state, but having information to fall back on. Yeah, fair point. So it's not just information, it's about having the tools to be able to deal with it as well, yeah. isn't it? be able to deal with those issues yeah. as, as and when they arrive. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a really, really hot topic and it's a really, really interesting one. Oh. And it's, it's, it's very difficult to, to give a black and white answer to, mm. to anything because everyone's got their own quirks. And particularly if you get to know someone quite well. I think we're, we're very fortunate that we've grown out of a very small company. You know, I think where you've grown from a very small team, you, you know someone on a personal level. And that either makes it harder or easier because you, you've seen their journey over the last couple of years, you've seen you know, them get married or them move house yeah. or whatever it might be. You've maybe got that slightly better relationship with them than mass corporation turn up day one and you're just another number. Oh, definitely. But, but then at the same time, you're working out a smaller company and you've got to find more creative ways to deal with mm. it. Um, yeah, really, really interesting. Okay, so you... You, you are a small company that's still growing. What is what's the future for hot stuff right now? <laughs> where, where where do you go? Where, where do you go from here? Uh, where do we go from here? So um, the brewery's going to carry on pumping it out, carry on growing. Um, we've kind of planned it out to twenty thousand hex in the short term. Um, and 50,000 hex in the long term so it'll be a, it'll be a very big brewery over the next three or four years um, if people keep going out there and drinking it obviously yeah um, we want to do more weird and wonderful stuff there as we were talking about earlier we want to have a bit more interesting stuff of our own on our own bars at the taps um, and then we want to continue growing the, the tap room business um, it seems to be a model that's working really well I think you know by the time this is out, this will be four tap rooms that we planned, and we want to do another, probably do another one or two this year, maybe. So, say one to be to be safe. Back end of the year, yeah. Um, and then try and do a couple in in 2019 as well. But you know, it's um, onwards and upwards, really. We just just keep doing it. I think 
we will we'll know when to stop because the demand will mm. quiet. Um, we get a lot of requests for tap rooms in places, which I think is really cool. Well, you know, um, you, you do, you get, so, you know, we had nice ones like when we announced Ashford, everyone's like, well, come to Canterbury. Okay, well, we'll have a look at it. Which is, it's, it's nice feedback yeah. in itself, yeah, yeah. isn't it, if someone you says, get, come you, here. You, get, you open in depth and everyone's like, well, come to Lewisham. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, all right, we'll have a look at it. It's not, when that quiets down, I think we'll know that that's the time to, to stop. Yeah. But I, I think we're, I'm never going <coughs> to. Sheltered. <laughs> yeah, it's not like we're desperate for anywhere in Essex. I'm never going. I'm never going to quite go to the extent of a uh, of a brewdog takeover the world. But I think if we if the demand's there and we keep growing, and we'll probably need another funding round or, or two to do what we need to do. But you know, as we keep growing, keep doing what keep doing it, we'll. Uh, Does the crowdfunder aspect has it changed now for you? Bearing in mind, like I said, the last couple of well, I've free for example yeah. so Northern Monk Five Points Left Hand Giant yeah. they all had substantial crowdfunding plans and ideas didn't they would your ones how would you how would you put, pitch yourself now compared to those or would you just do similar sorts of what you did before um, I think we we've got an idea of what the business is, is worth and, and, and what we think this unique concept is worth um, given there, there aren't any other breweries in London opening up bars um, we are quite unique in that in that regard and, and I think if we were to fund again it would be very deliberately for something um, to a particular place uh, well no it, it might just be as simple as we want to open more bars but there will be a very clear message behind okay. it. I think one of the things I struggle with with crowdfunding is that you can quite often get... It's a bit ambiguous. It's a bit wishy-washy. You know, why, why are you crowdfunding? Well, we want to do this. We want to do this. We want to do it. You, know, you get breweries popping up and they want to do 10 things. And actually, okay, I'm going to sound really flippant here, but a million pounds doesn't go very far when you're trying to do 10 things. It doesn't get you as far into that as you want. So I think if, if we were to do it again, it would be very consciously right okay we've done eight we want to now do 20 and I think if we got to that then then we'll go again okay so final thoughts on the um Freudian strip which we've kind of been drinking while we've we got into that discussion <laughs> and bearing in mind it's right a, a 440 can we sort of drained it really it's been a can each as yeah, well we had yeah. a can each it wasn't like we split two cans no, between no, three and no, three. So it's gone yeah I really enjoyed it I thought it was really well balanced uh, sort of multi backbone really strong free but yeah it was very sessionable I, I think very sessionable in terms of like like they say it's um it's a style that you really expect the malts to shine through yeah. on it as, as well and, and they do yeah and, and that comes through and it makes it just the, the, that slight sweetness from the malts as well makes it really easy to drink I'd go for that again is, is this something that we're going to see you do again James um we're not sure so I think the, the Freud will probably park for a little bit yeah um, got a pretty busy seasonal schedule this year anyway um, so I think the Freud will maybe take a break maybe till October-ish um, because then it'll be a bit more in season I think the the Vienna Lager style kind of suits a slightly colder 
months a little yeah. bit. That's actually um, quite a good point. I've never it's interesting. Yeah. It's like so, an autonomous yeah. kind of lander, so, isn't it? So we'll, we'll maybe maybe bring it back in, in some form at the end of the year. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I think it'd be a work to make a real return. Yeah. So you're talking about seasonals there, obviously you've got the core range. Are you thinking that far ahead in terms of what seasonal beers you're going to add, add to that range? Yeah, it's, it's often challenging to, to commit to them um, because of various demands and, and pressures around the, the brewery. But um, we've got a clear idea of what we want to try and brew over the next six months or so. Um, stuff pops up, you know, collaborations and stuff pop up all over the place. We're, we're talking at the moment about a, a Four Corners collaboration, trying to do north, south, east, west. Um, with four different brewers and then putting it all together in our yeah. taps um, we're looking at some things for the um, Hop Stuff Weekender coming up in August so a few a few bits and bobs like that that we're kind of we're planning but then seasonals seasonals as well within that yeah, yeah. so you, um, you've put us a bit of a special beer now haven't you what have we got now so um, this is um, this is the Woody Parrelson which um, is a barrel aged, aged in red wine um, burgundy barrels. And it's a, it's a barrel aged version of our Gunners Porter. So in 2016, we had a guile of Gunners Porter and we just bought a few red, uh, burgundy barrels and we thought, okay, well, let's just put it away and see what happens basically it's crying out for the porter it's an so, we, so we, we we poured it in and then in um, November December last year we um, we pulled it out and, and we tested it and we and we decided to to put it back into um, put it back into you know into tank and then bottle it and um, I think you're drinking one of the very last bottles that we actually have um it's got a really interesting kind of red wine funk to it. Yeah, it's got the, the, the nose on it. It's, all, it's almost it's, got a Flemish yeah, red nose yeah. to it. But it's got those big um, porter flavours to it as well. It, it's just a... We went back... We were talking about it earlier, talking about this whole idea that, you know, because you don't do these big beers, you think you can't. Actually, I think this, this beer serves really well to prove that, well, we can. We just choose not to all the yeah. time. Yeah. And actually, this, this beer is... I think one of the best barrel-aged porters out there. It's got a really nice funk to it, really good flavour, um, but it's just different. And for us, as much as anything, it's, it's a good chance for our brewers to stretch their legs and and have a go at something a bit more interesting. Want to dive in? Yeah, yeah. Let's give it a go. Yeah, pretty much six all the boxes. Yeah, it's um, it's got that porter quality, but like I said, it's got that slightly Flemish, yeah, fooder kind of thing going mm. on with the barrels you do get a lot of the um, kind of the wood the oakiness yeah. a, a, around the outside of the mouth but you could you could close your eyes and be drinking a, drinking a, an oak aged red wine and at the same time drinking a porter yeah I, th- I just think it's a, a fantastic version of, of what this beer is yeah and I think it's a we, we only bottled I think we bottled about a thousand litres of it um and I think the only place you'll find it is in our taps now. Um, and there's only probably 20 or 30 bottles left. And there's not a lot at all. It's tasting lovely. I mean, this comes in at what? Seven? Well, seven, start, start life at 7.4. Um, 
Um, I would say drinks. But you don't know what it's at now. I think it. I think yeah. it's probably, probably a bit higher than that when it uh, when it went in. I'm loving that. I am. I'm, I'm going to slowly enjoy the rest of that while um, while we interrogate you a little bit. Okay. It's, 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 now, it's, it's now time for the uh, the listener questions Ooh. because whenever we, we we kind of chat to somebody, we do like to ask our listeners to contribute a few questions yep. to that chat. So here we go. Um, first up, James at Gammon Baron. Would you ever consider brewing a Groot? Yeah, so herbal, herbal beers. Um, I think we, we've kind of ticked this off. We, we do a Saison, um, we've not done it the last couple of years, but um, we do a Saison called Le Saisonnier, uh, the seasonals. Uh, and it's a rosemary and lemon thyme Saison. So it's got herbs in it, but it's, it's very, sorry, it's got hops in it, but it's very herbal as well. Um, so that's kind of, that's our version of it ticked off. Um, yeah. I think that makes for a really, really interesting beer. Adding herbs into beer is is fantastic. Um, mm. <laughs> if done well. Not not convinced. No, no. no. I, I think most of our listeners would have expected that noise from me. Yeah. <laughs> rather, think, rather than from I you. I think it has to be done really well. Yeah. It's um, anything which adds one end of the scale or the other flavour profile. Mm-hmm. If you do it too much, it just ruins the whole thing. I think most beers which I've had herbs added, it's just the wrong balance. Yeah. It's like you're doing a smag bottle or a chili. Yeah, if you yeah. just do one of those elements wrong, mm-hmm. that dominates. Yeah. If it dominates, that's all you taste. So our um, our saison has has it's a really weird kind of crisp flavour, but at the same time, the lightest hint of lemon thyme. So it kind of works in the background. It's 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 an it's a really interesting beer, and I think we're probably not going to do it this year but we might do it again next year um, just, just because of time and brewery pressures um, but I think it's something that we ought to explore a little bit more particularly given how inaccessible hops are becoming I think people are going to get more creative with what they flavour beers with also there's a massive marketing opportunity with a beer called Groot absolutely <laughs> <laughs> Uh, how, how somebody has not already done that, <laughs> I don't know. In my know. head, they have. Yeah. I'm Groot. I, I'm sure they have. Your yeah. <laughs> um, next up from the Owl Lady at the Owl Lady, uh, your raison d'etre is to make craft beer inclusive and eliminate snobbery. Uh, intrigued to know what your strategy is, as I guess most brewers would claim craft beer is for all, even if some drinkers find them exclusive. Well, so I, I think that that's fairly... Um, that kind of makes sense because... Um, I think a lot of brewers will will say they're for everyone, but in their actions and their mannerisms, they won't necessarily be that. Um, I think we go out of our way to make sure that people can, whether they drink beer or not, people can come to a tap room and have a really nice time. Um, and I think that's our way of making craft beer accessible. Approachable, balanced, lower ABV, good flavours. I think that's how you've got to do it. And you've got to spread a a positive brand message um, as wide as you possibly can mm-hmm. on, that, on that note do you guys I know you have a social media mm-hmm. communicator do you think you do as much as you could on social yeah um, I think you, you don't want to force it down people's throats I, I, I think you want to you want to you want to make it seem fairly organic um, if you push it too hard, I think it loses its um, 
novelty, I guess. Yeah. So I think we do the right amount for who we are and where we are at this moment in time. Okay. Fair enough. Um, Dan at DB Ola. I've got no idea how you yeah, say yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, me either. Uh, what do you perceive as being the next trends to affect the scene? To what extent will you follow them? I guess, in essence, how does one balance a trend and experimentation within the core range? Yeah, so uh, we've covered a fair amount of this off, but I think we... Um, I think the there isn't going to be any revolutionary new trend in the next year or so. So we a lot more big IPAs, a lot more sours, a lot more just stuff you're starting to see at the moment. Um, I think lower ABV stuff's going to come into the come into focus a little more than it has. That might be the next trend. Yeah. Um, people are already trying to experiment with it. Not zero alcohol, but low alcohol. Um, we will, as I said earlier, we will respond to market demand, but I don't think we'll chase the market. Um, if we can brew one and we can brew it well, then we'll, then we'll do it. Fantastic. Uh, Paul at UNRCD. Questions, questions, fill my head. What do you think makes a great tap room? And what breweries are doing it well? Oh, pop <laughs> stuff. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. You guys, obviously. Okay, that's, that's obviously. the quick answer, then. <laughs> yeah. Um, next. No, um, I, for, for me personally, um, it, so it depends. Are you, are you talking about bars or are you talking about tap rooms? Um, because uh, I say that as in, like, are you going to a brewery, sitting on barrels and drinking beer at the brewery, or are you going to a bar? Because would Brewdog call their bars tap rooms for their brewery? Would, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's challenging. That's a, that's a fair point. Yeah. That's a great shout, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So yeah. We, we, make, we make great bars, I think, that are our tap rooms, if that makes sense. And, and the way to make a great bar for us is something that's light, something that's friendly, something that's welcoming. Somewhere where you can sit down with mates, you can have some fun, and drink some beers, and just just enjoy yourself, just relax. Yeah. Um, I think if you're talking about a tap room in, in its truest form, as in going to a brewery, um, the amount of breweries I've been to where you go to a tap room and you're like sat next to the bins and you're drinking a pint of warm cask beer that's not particularly well conditioned. That you know, I just think get your offering right and I think a big thing for us in our tap rooms is how do you want people to drink your beer where do you want them to drink your beer and I think if you want them to drink your beer in this sort of environment then you create that sort of environment if you want to serve people beer next to bins on barrels and they're cold and uncomfortable well go for that that's not really what we yeah. do and the last one uh, which is I think we might have already hinted at this one uh, is your brewery playlist solely composed of Donna Summer's 1979 <laughs> classic Hot Stuff? Whilst brewing, do they play full Monty-style hip thrusts during the chorus? If not, why not? Uh, yes and yes. Brilliant. That's, that's all we needed to know. That was from Two Songs, Two Beers podcast. <laughs> yes. Who, um, and I have to admit, I hadn't been able to get that song out of my head all day. So <laughs> that, the question. That, that's it. You can't. You just can't unhear that. Um, which has been has been great because as always um, what we do is made on listener feedback yeah. as well so um, if you've got any thoughts on what we've discussed with James on this show let us have them 
Um, let us use, make sure to use the hashtag opinions uh, and we'll make sure to pick it up. And we may very well pick you up in this next section of the show. Let us know, write it down. Let us know, write it down. Let us know your thoughts and bitter in lingerness. Write it down. So, um, first up, we've got uh, from Mark Johnson at Mark and Johnson. This is on last week's show. Uh, interesting that the service in the Smithfield came up. One reason I can't take to the place. Love the pub and the beers, but I've always found the staff act like they're furious that I'm in there. We, we still can't comment on this no, because, because we didn't experience it. We didn't it, go did to we? the bar, we just drank a pint of kale and giggled. And, and laughed. At it. Yeah, so, um, but we, we've had some other feedback yeah. about the bar as well. And it, it's a real shame because the bar is actually a nice looking bar. It seems to be there's an it's issue with the bar staff. Uh, Smithfield in um, Manchester. Okay. They, that, it, it would appear from, uh, and this is maybe paraphrasing, but from the comments that we've had, it would appear that the staff hate their jobs. Or hate people asking for beer. Or just hate people. <laughs> but we'll, we'll maybe get to the bottom of that. Um, then we had some feedback on um, your comment in the last show, which was about the Zephyr. I was right about the Zephyr, though. You was right. Um, that it was uh, originally a Marvel Comics character. But it was the also, the Zephyr one is an aircraft. Yeah, because you followed it up as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, then we had some feedback about our comments on uh, Brewdog's fanzine. What did which, you think of this week's? Or the last, or fanzine number two? Um, still great. I'm, I'm still loving the concept. The, the beers were really good. For me, the New England... Is this three beers a week? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Three, three beers a fortnight. Every two weeks. Oh, okay. So 11 pounds, three we're cans. Do, we're doing something very similar. We're starting a subscriber list. Primarily for our investors. Yeah. Um, but it'll be very similar. But we're, we're going once a month to a Chanel beer box. The, the idea of the logistics, and I've got a lot of respect for them for working this out, the logistics of dispatching that many boxes to that many different addresses every two weeks, fair play. Yeah. It's, it's, it's <laughs> massive. I, I can't believe they're pulling it off. But it, as, it works. Well. I mean, it's £11, turns up at your doorstep. Mm-hmm. I think in the bars, they're doing it at like 12 25 20, 12 50 so it's a yeah. bit of a premium in the bar. So, so you can buy them in the bar. But, but I have to admit, I've had six out of six so far. I would have all six again. I, I'm, I'm six for six as well. And the New England IPA is exactly what I expected from Brewdog to do it. It, it is, yeah. It, it's it's an accessible New England IPA because it's not it's not thick and juicy. It's but I, I think I drank it at the wrong point in the three beers because I did it at the end of the three, and I actually think the flavours and the profiles of the other two beers were stronger than that particular well, so you beer. Done that one first. I would have done the New England. Then the pails, then the Dortmund lager. Uh, the no, I would have done Dortmund and, and then the lager. Uh, no, and then the pale and then the power, yeah. Yeah, but I'm still, still happy with the investment yeah. I've, I've made there. Um, so from Simon Manchester at the Pyman 7, caught up with Beer Clock Show, the Beer Board Special. It's going back a few months. In your own time. <laughs> yeah, come on, whenever you're ready. Uh, great listen, even the missus was impressed. Cheers, guys, good to see my local Boat Lane Brewery getting a mention in as well. Just need to catch up on the rest now. Yes, that, you do. That was one of the, where one of the beers came from, wasn't it? Boat it was, Lane yeah. But we'll expect comments from Simon on this show in... 2019. It, it would appear so. February sometimes. Yes. Yeah, abs- absolutely. Um, so, uh, we're almost there on this one. Um, I think probably final thoughts on the, 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 the barrel-aged porter. It's a very drinkable barrel-aged porter, it's isn't it? It's ridiculously drinkable. I mean, this, is, this has worked out so well. 
Yeah, we're we're really happy with this one. Do you, wish you, do you wish you'd made more? Uh, now, right now, how it no, tastes. because I, I like the fact it's difficult to find. I like the fact there isn't a lot of it. Um, next, so for twenty eighteen winter, we've just bought a load of bourbon barrels, so we're going to breed in the next couple of weeks or months. We're going to be brewing a another dark beer in the middle of summer. It's going into bur- bourbon barrels for six months before the release of Christmas. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll sign up to that right now. <laughs> the, um, so, the funky edge is gone. Yeah, it's, it mellows a bit, doesn't it? Yeah. Th- th- there's a hint of that funkiness. But it's toned right down. It's it's almost perfect yeah. in terms of barrel age beer. Loving that. Absolutely loving that. Um, so what we're doing next, Steve, come on. Yeah, are you are you making me reveal it this yeah, Oh yeah, well I think you should. Um, hopefully, if the moon's aligned, the, the, the next show we are going to do the Cannonball Run, which, which will involve... Um, it should release in time for Magic Rock releasing their Human Cannibal, Unhuman Cannibal release this year. We're going to do all three beers in one go, mate. What could go wrong? There's, yeah, and, and I think I've openly said I'm not sharing them. So it's a can each. James, really appreciate you giving up your time because you're, you're clearly very busy uh, at the moment expanding the business and thanks for sharing the beers with us as well um where can people find hop stuff right now uh well obviously the the right answer has come to one of our taps um so you've got um you've got woolwich deptford and uh and ashford um soon to be greenwich as well uh, if if the stars align um otherwise the best place to find our beer is, is uh, on trade in, in London. We probably do 90% of our beer within the M25, if not higher than that. Um, so we, we don't get out much, but that's because we have a preference for that kind of approachable side of things and sessionable beers, so they just seem to suit after work drinking. So yeah. anywhere in the M25, on trade, keg, yeah, we should be there. Brilliant. Well, as I say, cheers for um, sharing a lot of beers with us today. And, 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 and your time. And, and your time. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers.